Hello, and welcome to the No Score Review Show, where we get into in-depth discussion and nuanced critique of the latest films, television, and video games, as well as all of those things I just said that have already come out in the past. I am your host, Nick Green. Today, joining me is Matt Schmidt. Welcome back to the show, Matt. Hello. It's starting to feel like back into old times again of being on every other week. I don't have either of the people who reviewed, uh, or I guess it was just Jake for the uh, franchise and review. Shay was supposed to be on, but I don't have Jake around to discuss the last Mission Impossible franchise. He really, he really fumbled that one. And Shay wasn't able to attend the screening due to personal reasons. Uh, Yeah. So yeah, just overall. It's all over the place, but uh, it's always good to have you on the show. I'm happy Uh, and excited to talk uh, talk Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Well, that makes two of us. (laughs) Um, The first bit of this review will be spoiler-free, as usual, and then we'll get into the explicit details later on. There will be an explicit spoiler warning, all that jazz. Oh, and Uh, it's going to be explicit. Oh, it'll be explicit. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll start with our general thoughts and expectations, Matt. Uh, do you, if you want to give a quick rundown of your history with the like mission impossible franchise, since you weren't there for the full on franchise and review, feel free to include that as well. All right. Well, I've seen the only ones that I've seen more than once are ghost protocol. Mm-hmm. And actually that's it. That's the only one I've seen more than once. <laughs> I thought I had seen more. I thought I'd seen Fallout twice, but I was wrong. Uh, Interesting. So okay. I've only seen Ghost Protocol twice, and all the other ones once. But wow. Okay. So how? Rec- I'm guessing you're pretty fuzzy on the whole franchise. Then or? I'm I'm pretty fuzzy. I have an idea of what I think. Um, but that being said, I still have a very clear idea in my mind of at least the last three. Sure. If not the ones the that matter, three. the ones that matter, the post JJ Abrams era, the Chris mm-hmm. McQuarrie era. Yep. Um, I think back on that, that trilogy, if you would say quite sure. fondly. And I think they all had a, um, a consistent track record of one upping the one before it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I guess part of me believed that, they would do the same with yeah. Dead Reckoning. Because, uh, you know, as history shows, uh, that's what they were going to do. Yeah. But um, perhaps that was asking too much to do four <laughs> in a row. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. yeah, I was I, expecting uh... to be one upped, but I don't think that was the case. Yeah, I uh, we won't get it. A- into too much detail, but I think I'm right there with you. I think it was still a very good, it's kind of our, I think our chat with uh, uh, the Wes Anderson movies a little bit. It's more of a plateau a little bit, right? Echoing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, not quite the, the one upmanship that they've been doing the last few entries. Um, But it was still a great thrill ride. Uh, I think we shared some sentiments on some of the uh, structuring and uh like the script structure particularly in the first act and maybe even just some of the editing if nothing else 
uh, with how the whole plot and story of it is set up. Um, but when it delivers, it delivers. Uh, a lot of the oh, yeah. like stunt sequences are great. Um, they're still really exciting, really fun. But uh, I don't think it quite nails uh, like the feel. Well, no, not necessarily the feel, but it just doesn't quite reach those highs that the, the previous few films uh, have have managed to reach. Uh, Rogue Nation still remains my favorite. Follows is, follow is closely behind. Um, and then this one and Ghost Protocol, I think, are kind of level pegging with each other as of right now. Maybe Dead Reckoning Part 1 will go below Ghost Protocol for now, just because, I mean, I've only seen it the once. Uh, I need to still get a bit of a, a better feel for it as time goes on. But um, yeah, I uh, I still really enjoyed it. Uh, the whole cast was great. I think that was one of the like strong sh- strong suits of it. McCory and Cruz are a great team. And mm-hmm. uh, I think definitely. this is like definitely one of the better uh, blockbusters of the summer um, so far, at least. For sure. I mean, comparatively to the rest of the Mission Impossible franchise, yeah, it might not be as good as Fallout or Rogue Nation. Mm-hmm. But that being said, it's still better than most things that you're going to see. <laughs> yeah, especially it's, this summer, man. There's been a lot of tanks this summer. <laughs> like, yeah, it's really easy. It's not looking great uh, so far. I think in the next two weeks, perhaps that might change. Uh, we're gonna yeah, have sure. a, a couple. We're still of relatively early. Out. Yeah. So we we still got some some weeks and some some months. But I to think go. the the expectation, like if you were like to ask us at the beginning of the year and be like, the Flash is gonna tank hard, and Indiana Jones might not do that well, and I mean, the I latest Pixar film. Well, I mean, okay. I, I, maybe I would have asked me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the optimist in this duo. Uh, but like the latest Pixar film, like tanks, right? Like it's, it's a bunch of these, um, failures at the box office that maybe are more surprising, uh, to most people. And Um, what's the common thread between a lot of these? (laughs) What is it, Matt? Disney. Oh uh, yeah, and well franchises. Yeah, other okay. than I mean, uh, other the than Flash, for sure. yeah. But um, but a lot of it is also Disney. I mean, you That's look true. at Quantumania, you look at mm-hmm. um the Pixar thing. I don't even know what the name uh, is. Elemental. Elemental. Yeah. Okay, it makes yeah. sense. Uh, and then you look Indiana at Jones. Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. It's Disney franchises, and then mm-hmm. the Flash, which is. It was always expected to fail, I think. Right. I I didn't have a doubt I mean, in my were, mind I, that that was going to be a bad movie. Sure. I think there was a lot of hype built up that that the like True. marketing team and some of like the higher ups at Warner Brothers were really putting a lot of faith in because like they can't they canned Batgirl, but they were like we're hedging our bets. We're putting all our our <laughs> like uh, how bad must Batgirl be? Oh, if, dude, like, could you we're imagine? gonna put all of our eggs in this basket. Yeah, you know right? what? I have a hint that Batgirl actually isn't bad, and the executives just have horrible. Dude, it's taste. just so much curiosity now, and more than like, anything, just right? Release it's like, it. I just want to see on. it. Yeah. Um, okay, let's getting back on track from that tangent. We're right, right, um, oh, right. We're talking about yeah, Mission we're talking Impossible. about Mission Impossible. <laughs> This is definitely one of the strong, uh, strong entries in this year and this summer, uh, more specifically. Um, I think uh, if you're going in expecting 
the great time you had from the previous entries uh, in this franchise, then I think that they will be met. I honestly, I'm seeing a lot of praise uh, for this film online where it's like yeah. it's met or exceeded fallout for a lot of people, which like personally I don't agree with, but like there's a lot of praise for it is all I'm trying to uh, bring attention to. So I think a lot of people are really going to enjoy it. There's a, it's not, like a lot of the CGI schlock fests, right? Uh, it is part of a franchise, but it's, I think, one of the few, apart from like maybe like John Wick, uh, like non-superhero franchises that are that's actually succeeding and um, like uh, bringing out continual, like solid entries in the franchise itself. So, yeah, I mean, I think you could also to a degree say like, the Fast and Furious movies, which I think peaked in the middle of the franchise. Yes. Like, fast, I think a lot like, of people would agree. With like five, six, and even seven, like five, the six, end seven, of the yeah, the end of the Paul Walker era, I think yeah. that's where that series peaked. You've got yeah. John Wick that gets better with age. These definitely with the technical uh you know, the Prowess. technical advancements that we've yeah. been able to make in time definitely these movies have improved if not mm. maybe reaching like a peak at some point because this mm-hmm. is also number seven you know yeah. um i don't know how many movie series get better after seven yeah <laughs> true yeah you exactly uh, yeah other than like i can't think of um of anything that would f- anything else that would maybe fall in this category to to the extent of like or like uh, to the level of quality and consistency, I can't think of anything, honestly. Unless you want to count like the whole MCU, which probably peaked around like phase well, two peaked, or th- uh, and three. I don't know. That, the end like, of two where... and three. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm not sure. Like Ragnarok, Winter Soldier. But there were, yeah, that like. kind a, of Civil War uh, era. Civil, yeah. Civil War. That was beginning of phase three i think i think phase three is probably where it peaked overall probably yeah that was right as lo- they were building up of, to the end there was a lot then. of infinity war hype there was a lot of great solo movie entries around that time too right phase two uh faltered a little bit um like there were definitely strong entries in that one but right yeah three. but there was also like thor two. yeah thor two avengers uh age of ultron uh Ooh. got a lot of crap Mm. um iron man 3 even got a lot of crap as well yeah i didn't like that one um but yeah uh Batman, so, iron man 2 and incredible hulk apologist i think those are good movies okay but an interesting tease for the eventual uh mcu in review i will do on this channel um but we'll see that here for first then. folks yeah we're talking too <laughs> we much need to about get back other movies. to Hold on. Yeah, Rewind. that's okay um so i think yeah uh just to put like one final bow on the whole uh, uh, general thoughts conversation. Still definitely recommend Dead Reckoning Part 1. Um, it has a few like weaknesses here and there plot wise, but on the entertainment level and the stunt level, I think it's still great. Um, and uh, yeah, just a, a worthwhile theater experience for this, this summer. So sure. that is where we're going to call it for spoiler free talk this is your explicit spoiler warning for uh mission impossible dead reckoning part one god that title is a beast um so yeah if you haven't seen it yet go check it out in the theater 
uh, and be sure to come back to uh, see what we thought of it in depth. So Matt, what are some of your highlights and lowlights? Where do you want to start? You want to start negative, start positive? I want to start with my lowlights. Let's do it. Let's get into it. My biggest lowlight was before the movie started. <laughs> and Nick knows exactly what I'm about to say. I know exactly. Say. I have the same sentiment. Before this movie started, as part of the pre-show, first they played two trailers. They played yep. Ninja Turtles, mm-hmm. and they played um, Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah. And then they what played... What a weird duology. Yeah, right? They played <laughs> 10 minutes worth of featurettes mm-hmm. for Dead Reckoning, bef- right before the movie started, mm-hmm. including a breakdown of the car chase sequence, mm-hmm. a bunch of other random bits from the red carpet, and yep. I don't even remember what the last one was, because I, I told toned- you... Just like a, a director, like Christopher McQuarrie and Tom Cruise coming out to be like, hey, thanks for coming to the oh, movie. Oh, right. It was, so, on okay. the big screen. It was mostly was just smaller, two feature but, Yeah. But the, specifically the car chase one. Yeah. Ridiculous. Because for one, I had no idea about any of that content. I knew there was nope. going to be like a car chase. Dude, but I'd only seen a couple a things tiny, from the Just as a tiny, tiny side note, I don't think I ever watched a trailer for this film. Like I really? knew it was coming out. Yeah, man. I don't think I watched a single trailer. I think like, I saw I, I think it I might have seen the clip of, of the motorcycle jump. But Oh yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Well they when it. I saw Top Gun, they showed the BTS thing for that as well. Mm, there was like right. Tom Cruise doing whatever. He's like, Hey, thanks for uh coming to the theater. Here's mm-hmm. a sneak peek for Mission Impossible, and then he fucked mm, off. And okay, yeah. Whatever. Right. Um but yeah, I mean, I saw that. They did a lot of showing you all the big moments in the trailer to begin mm-hmm. with. There wasn't really any, oh, aha moment that you see in the movie that isn't already sort of blown for you. But then yeah. they decide to go in detail and break down this pretty decent car chase, yeah. showing you a lot of the big story beats, showing mm-hmm. you the whole, the goofy reveal when the little buggy comes out pops out yeah and that would have been an amazing moment to witness in the context of the movie for the first time fresh and have that like oh you think it's going to be this like aston martin or whatever the car the gray car in front was and then it pops out this little yellow thingy and they talk about oh yeah it's you know it's really hard to handle and all this and they show a bunch of the clips of it going down the stairs and going through mm-hmm. the streets and dodging police cars. And you see like most of the chase yeah, in just out of order and out of context. Mm-hmm. So then when you see it in the movie an hour later, it's like, it's almost the centerpiece of the movie. It's like right smack in the middle. Yeah. And you've seen it all like an yeah. hour just earlier. So it's like, you've just you're watching the scene twice and all of that emotional kick is gone because you're like, well, I already know. And then in the featurette, they're talking about how, oh, this was incredibly difficult to film. This is one of like the hardest car chases uh, that's ever been done. And it was like one of the biggest challenges as a filmmaker we've ever done. And then you watch it and you're like, eh, I've seen better. Yeah. it, It was like the, like, you're either numb 
to the fact that it's happening or you're disappointed because you just saw it like uh like 45 minutes ago right and they were talking it up so much too so you're expecting the whole thing about uh tom cruise having to learn how to drive with one hand that wasn't really that big of a feature of that whole chase yeah because they barely showed it yeah yeah the editing of that whole scene as well wasn't like great um i understand what they were trying to do trying to condense time and make it action-packed and everything but I don't know. I'm one of those guys that I like long takes, like keep me in the scene. If it's a car chase. Yeah. It's cool to have those moments where there's a lot of fast cutting if something's happening. Mm -hmm. But if you're just like holding on a scene or a shot for like a second or less at a time, then I'm losing track of where everybody is. And then it makes it feel more staged because like, okay, you could have had all these shots pulled from wherever it doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily feel like this chase is happening in a real space like i want to see long takes of a car doing like a skid or a drift um or crashing through things or we do a big zoom out and an aerial shot of this car going through the streets yeah it felt like a very claustrophobic chase it was was easy to get lost a lot of the time right like the, the streets of rome maybe weren't the most practical uh space to do that in because it didn't quite lend itself to some of those like contextual shots that you could use yeah and Um, they mentioned too in the featurette that's sort of what they were going for of letting the the streets of rome sort of dictate the style of the chase that they were doing so because the roads are so thin and the buildings are so high that's Mm -hmm. sort of lending to the claustrophobia of it all. But even then within the confines of the location that you're shooting in, like there's nothing stopping you from being a few car lengths ahead and throwing a wide lens on your camera. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was a big, big letdown for sure. I, uh, I imagine I'll probably warm up to that scene a little bit more with more time have like away from having actually seen it like the next time i revisit this film it'll be like oh i actually i really enjoy that that part of it i think it'll age well because they really did it so you know it's not like it's going to be bad cg that's aging poorly i think one of my highlights like immediately for that scene too was like the sound design in particular with uh i think her name was paris the like uh right hand man to uh gabriel yeah she was in the vehicle yeah that was so good that was very well done, especially in contrast to the tiny zippy little uh, yeah. Fiat, right? I agree. That was very well done. Um, yeah, bit of a sour note, unfortunately. More of a complaint about like just contextual marketing is a hell of a thing sometimes and just yeah. so, so confusing. Like I get the sentiment of like, oh, early event screening will show you a little bit about the film. But like, I don't know, the execution just wasn't there, man. We'll have to see what people say now that it's now is Thursday when we're recording this and Mm -hmm. it's the the actual release day of the movie. So we'll see if other people that are watching it now have the same thing. Um, Mm -hmm. It might just be something that they're choosing to do before this movie in general. It might not be because of the early event, but it might. So maybe we'll have to see what other people's reactions are because so far all of the people that I've seen on Letterboxd uh, that have seen the movie, a lot of them have been having the same complaint of like, why did we need to see this? Oh, really? Okay. 
I've had a few people comment on my review and I've seen it in a few other people's and mm-hmm. they, most of them share the same sentiment. And right. a lot of them are people that like don't watch the trailers and they don't want to see promotional material before the movie. Yeah. And then when you just have it shoveled in your face right before you watch it, it's like, yeah. okay. Yeah. It's like having somebody tell you the plot of a movie right before you sit down and watch it. Yeah. Not really, but in, right. in the same essence. If somebody mm-hmm. explained it to you, would it really be as cool if you watch it? And then it's like, oh, yeah, it did happen, like you said earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like breaking down. It'd be like uh, going to a horror movie. And then before the movie starts, they're like, we're going to break down this this one jump scare <laughs> yeah, sequence. The jump scare. Or like, we're going to break down this death scene of a main character yeah. <laughs> before you watch the movie. And you're like, all right. Right. All right. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, any other actually I'll we'll we'll stay on the the negative train. I'll uh, I'll do one <laughs> of my long one. Uh, low lights. <laughs> <laughs> my my one of my bigger low lights in the actual movie itself uh was the I, I don't want to call it first act cuz there is more to the first act than just these like two particular scenes, but like basically the first two sequences we see the Russian submarine bit mm-hmm. and the uh, like, um, I don't know what you want to call it, like the CIA, like executive meeting or whatever, uh, that all of those like top officials are having, uh, discussing the rogue AI and like the, the, so the submarine bit was like relatively interesting. It, it definitely was a little more show, show than tell compared yeah. to the, the next scene, um, and setting up the rogue AI a little bit. Uh, while we're on it too, I actually, I also really love the, like, whether it was intentional or not, the like callback to, uh, alien. Cause like the set, the set design of the entity looks exactly like, uh, the mother, uh, like capsule in the first yeah, alien film. I think that was definitely on purpose, especially because that too. the, the submarine is called, uh the Sevastopol, which is also an alien. I mean it's also a real life place, like a city, but yeah. It's an alien reference as well, which was really cool. I, mm-hmm. I love that little kind of Easter egg. I'm surprised they didn't call it the Nostromos. Exactly, right? Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> um but yeah otherwise that scene was uh very interesting setup. Even honestly even the the scene after Actually, I think it's sandwiched in between the, the the executive meeting and the submarine when we see Ethan for the first time. Ethan's introduction really also didn't need to be that way. Like, we know who Ethan Hunt is by this point, right? And, like, he steps out of the shadows. That's yeah. kind of cool and everything. But, like... And they really exposition dump us. Yeah. With, like, like, his mission that also was unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. I think it uh, there could have been a really good... Um, opportunity. I mentioned this to you after we saw it of like kind of doing playing with the audience's expectations a little bit because every single film starts. And I mean, Rogue Nation does it a little bit as well. Every single film starts with that mission debriefing. Right. So like it would have been a great opportunity to like uh, have us go in blind and follow this, like a special ops team who we don't see like the faces of and everything. And then you get the voiceover of like the, your mission, should you choose to accept it type thing, they get the debriefing and it's like, we're looking for this key. And it turns out that Ethan hunt has stolen it. 
and like gone rogue again, right? So we're not actually following yeah. Ethan. We're following a different team, the team who's hunting Ethan throughout this film. And like that would have been a cool kind of like subversive moment, right? And that still get we get that exposition dump through the mission debriefing, right? Of like, oh, this key unlocks this rogue AI that's infiltrating the world and everyone's trying to get it, right? Um, but like the scenes we got were just such a slog, man. That executive scene in particular was just so brutal. And like Carrie El El Elwis, I think that's how you say his name. His yeah, character was just so, so cheesy, man. It's like, so you're telling me it can think, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, God, for please. For people who don't know what sentient means. Yeah, exactly. It's so, so brutal. it can think <laughs> for itself. Yeah. It's brutal, man. I, I like, yeah. was so checked out of the that like first act up until we get to the airport. Thankfully, the airport, like kicks things into high gear and like really like does not slow down. That yeah, was that's where the movie my starts. favorite. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, it I just want to see us like a a shorter cut of this film where they just like omit those scenes entirely. I'm looking um, forward to the inevitable fan cut where people will just splice part 1 both, and 2 together yeah, and make yeah. it a better movie. Honestly, that's something I was junk. thinking about while we were watching the movie. I was like, man, I just want to see this film without that shit in it, man. It's yeah, just it's like brutal. Topher Grace's cut of the Star Wars. Star Wars, <laughs> yeah. That I would love to see. Totally, uh, yeah. I really would. Um, all right, let's say some more positive stuff. Uh, Matt, what what's what are some highlights you have? Highlights? Um, you know, the, the train sequence at the end yeah is the whole thing you know it's all this build up to this this stunt that they've been teasing and all the promos from the very mm -hmm. beginning and all the behind the scenes stuff of like oh tom cruise insisted that we shoot this scene first so that if he dies we can <laughs> rewrite the movie around it <laughs> but uh yeah they have all this build up he's on the bike you know he misses the train he does all this like we know what's coming Right. And they finally get to it and it fulfills the expectations. It's yeah. pretty great. It's, it's a great, great stunt. And then they show a little bit of extra free fall stuff at the end that you haven't mm -hmm. seen. So that's kind of one moment. It also has like, a oh, great comedic like ending to it as well, where he like flies through oh, yeah. the train car. Yeah. That was great. Cause he's gone for a while. Yeah. And then there's this whole other scene that's taking place in the car yeah grace is like I was... she's so worried she's like are you gonna be on the train he's like i'll be there i promise yeah and, and, and then we're just with grace for, so for a long. long time yeah and i was thinking around that time i'm like where is ethan and then <laughs> he flies through the train yeah uh yeah that was great um i really loved vanessa kirby i think she's great i totally forgot mm -hmm. that she was even in this series dude uh, i'm having... glad they brought her back having her or having sorry having watched these films so close uh in succession to one another again it's crazy if you go back and watch because her character is the daughter of the arms dealer from the first movie mm -hmm. and if you go back and watch that film so much of the mannerisms and like facial expressions it like she is so convincing of being her daughter it's like so good really it's crazy okay. yeah i'll have to check yeah. that out yeah it's really yeah good. she's Vanessa a great Cruz's actor 
mm-hmm. great actor. She really needs to get like a big break uh, as totally. a, as a lead in something. I've mostly seen her as a supporting uh, actor in, yeah. in most the things. The lead but... stuff she has had, I think, has been smaller stuff. Like I think there was a Netflix original a while back. <sighs> I know that one where it like opens up with like a thirty minute miscarriage scene or something like. Yeah, that. I think that's what like, I'm thinking oh, of. Yeah, I I cannot bring myself to watch that, but right. But I really hope that she does get something soon where she totally. can really like show off her stuff because I think she's mm-hmm. really talented. If if there um, were to ever be a, a Mission Impossible film without Tom Cruise, I think don't you totally have to have Vanessa Kirby on board? Not like necessarily as a lead, but like part of an ensemble cast. I think you'd sorely be missing out. Definitely. Um, Haley Atwell was also really good. I love Haley her. Atwell was great. She, she held her own against Tom Cruise. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. She was great. Uh, I I would say she, like, they didn't, like, uh, sexualize her character at all. And I was still, like, thirsting in the theater. Like, she's just <laughs> gorgeous, man. Yeah. Um, but, like, actual character-wise, she was great. And she, like, uh, is very competent. Like, she, like they showcase her, her own, being yeah. a great thief. Uh, as well a lot of the time which is really good and she's smart too like she does that thing smart. of pretending that um that ethan is like sexually harassing her when they're exiting the police station yeah, yeah, so that yeah. all the other people stop her and she can get out and then yeah. she was it did she handcuff ethan as to well the, yeah to the fiat in the train tunnel yep but did she also handcuff herself no, to I him think, or was that was no was no that ethan him? handcuffed himself to her because uh, he didn't right, want right. her getting away yeah true true yeah okay but still like yeah she had a lot of great moments where she made smart decisions that sort of outsmarted ethan which was mm-hmm. good she wasn't just like this you know this hot babe to just be totally. the object of desire Thankfully. Uh, yeah. even though she's still i mean she still fulfilled that role for yeah. whatever reason, but she was also other things at the same time. Yeah. Like, I don't understand really why Ethan became so immediately infatuated with her. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's I sort of just I... another trend where, he, you know, it's like the James Bond thing where there's the new girl every movie that they become obsessed with. And then it, it read to me a little less romantic and more kind of like big brother or father uh a little bit because he's like he's making sure she's okay and it's more like taking care of this person that he's like cross paths with right because like he checks in on her a lot and he's like very protective of her so like that that kind of read to me that way a little bit um but yeah i don't know there's definitely been a history with the the characters throughout i think uh rebecca ferguson's character was the strongest out of the whole franchise. Um, yeah, and they really being like an equal character in this one. Yeah, man, that's really it. Was really unfortunate. I mean, like I I appreciated the sword fight bit a little bit, but it wasn't quite as good as like some of her past scenes. Like her fight scene in Rogue Nation was way better. Um, but yeah, they really sidelined her a lot of the movie, which sucks. Um, uh, oh, I wanted to say something else about Haley. Oh, right. Uh, her character also has like some great dimension with like being in over her head. They show that a lot of the time really yeah. well. And she's like, she looks like she's almost on the verge of a breakdown sometimes too. Right. And she sold that very well. 
there were a, there were a couple moments towards the end of the film on the train, I think, where like no no words are spoken between her and Ethan, but like she sells it on her face that she's like about to break down when he like asks her if she's okay, and like just masterful. Haley Atwell is amazing. Mm-hmm. She's great. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the whole cast was fantastic. Uh, Benji and Luther get uh, the short end of the stick a little bit as well. This movie, they don't yeah. have as much to do, but what they do have is great. Like uh, Benji, like I was actually kind of nervous for Benji's life at the airport there. Like, especially yeah. with like some of that the questions like, scene. yeah, what do you hold most dear? My friends. And it's like, oh, no, are we going to lose Benji? Like, holy crap. Um, and like Luther's speech towards the end was really nice as yeah, well. I agree. They they didn't have a lot in it, but they each had their moment. Totally, it was very worth it. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm happy in that sense. You know, I wasn't. Um, I didn't feel like I needed more of them. I think as you know, they're they're minor characters that are there to serve a purpose, and they did totally. Uh, and you know, Simon Pegg and Ving Rhames did a, a great job as always. As yeah. always, yeah. Lovable and funny and smart and yeah, resourceful and, you know, everything you'd need from them. Exactly. From well, them. and I mean, also, uh, like, this far into a franchise, too, you don't always need the same ensemble, too, right? Like, they can be sidelined yep. a couple of times, so. Yeah, bring some other no. people out and, you know, build totally. up the gang. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the screen time was allocated properly, maybe not so much on Rebecca or I wouldn't I won't say necessarily on Rebecca Ferguson's character uh, on her part, um, but maybe just the use of that time wasn't really uh, mm-hmm. great comparatively anyway. But like uh, the, the screen time for new faces, fresh faces were were good. Uh, Palm Clementine's character, she like spoke a couple lines throughout the whole film, but she was fantastic. Like she was ferocious and terrifying. (laughs) And I wish that they would have kept her alive and she could have joined the gang. Well, you know, they, the one, uh, like CIA dude did feel a pulse at the end of the film. Oh, that's, that is true. And they wouldn't just throw that in there. Right. That's also true. Yeah. Right. Hopefully if they know what they're doing, we'll see. Um, Yeah. Because uh, that would be uh, a, an interesting story development to bring back for part two. You know, the defected totally. agent that sort mm-hmm. of knows about what the what his face is up to. Uh, Gabriel. Gabriel. I don't know how to say his his real name. Es- Esai Morales, maybe. Um, Who but knows? Yeah, Gabriel. Uh, he was good. Um, he was all right. Menacing, I, wasn't a I would huge say. Huge fan of his delivery some of the times, but I think that's no. also just his, you know, the direction that he's given to sort of be like deadpan and hard to read and and all. That. I think deliver like I think sizzle, but not so much steak with his character. I think like the flair was there. I bought it. He was menacing, but in t- past that, it was like. I mean, it's also rooted with the problem of the rogue AI thing, like getting back into some low lights. Like the whole plot is pretty shit, <laughs> especially comparatively. Yeah. Like the whole rogue AI thing, I didn't care for at all. Um, I mean, like I'm almost moments... on the side of the AI, honestly. <laughs> right. Because it yeah. seems like every other party in this sucks. 
Right. As totally. Well. Yeah, we get like, just, we get some like uh maybe half-assed twist towards the end where uh the uh, Carrie Elwis's character, the CIA guy or whatever, uh, ends up on the train and he's like he he's trying to cut a deal with Gabriel and everything. So, yeah, it seems like they're really just trying to say oh yeah, Ethan's the only good guy here cuz he wants to destroy it. Right. And that's the only answer and you know, I'm I agree that probably destroying it's for the best. Totally. But at the same time, the the next side that I'm on is Gabriel <laughs> and the AI because right. I don't fucking trust any of these governments to have this power. I'd well, rather have the AI sort of be like a moderator of everyone, keep everybody in check. Right. Yeah. Because it's yeah. at least not going to be biased for the most totally. part, maybe. Or it yeah. Has its own bias. Yeah. Then you get into like gray areas of like what is truth and everything right yeah um so but that that kind of aside just the um the handling of that whole (laughs) nice nice downer (laughs) (laughs) um the handling of the whole uh ai as a plot device type thing and the introduction of it all i don't like it was very messy to me like i I had a hard time following like what it was all about and everything. 2001 like, did it better. And that was right. like 50 years ago. Yeah. Except, no, 70, 60, yeah. almost 70 <laughs> yeah. years ago. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I didn't love that. I, there were like moments I liked, like I liked uh, the, the, I think more stylistically, I liked when they were in the like nightclub and mm-hmm. it like that reveal when the the AI like I whatever you want to call it shows up, the entity shows this up. This party all the is the party. And... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, what else? What other uh, lowlights or highlights do you have, Matt? Mm. I think uh, we could maybe touch on the airport. We we kind of glossed over that a little bit. We yeah, the the airport was good. It, there was a lot of good tension. A lot of yeah. build up and release. Um, mm-hmm. The introduction of uh, Grace. Yes, that was, was there. fantastic. It was I a liked great cat the, and mouse game, right? Throughout yeah, the whole airport. The, the sleight of hand stuff was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, great I really like bits with the, the face, the deep faking yeah, the, on random the deep people. fake, the live erasing, yeah. and the face swapping bit was cool. The mm-hmm. part when. Ethan was running up above the building across yeah. and another guy's like, where the hell did he go? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a, a good bit. Yeah. Um, and um, I liked when the whole, the Benji scene diffusing the, the Benji, bomb. Yeah. When they're all like, they're turning off the mic and they're not talking to him and they're having their own yeah. conversation. I was waiting leaves. for it to be like, he, he talks to the wrong person. Right. I, I was think thinking it that kind of goes too. like that, but yeah. Um, but that yeah, was that really bomb good. defusal thing, and when Benji then just starts like ripping off other people's packages from the conveyor oh, yeah. belt, looking yeah. for tools and stuff. Yeah, he has like some nail clippers and some scissors in his mouth while he's trying to defuse it. That was really good, really great. Um, like very quick, like which just goes to show like these writers have some like um <clears throat> competency because they're able to introduce stakes like lightning fast like that right we had mm-hmm. no prior knowledge of this bomb but like they spent the the 
prior three scenes developing this whole evil AI, rogue AI, and all of these different uh, uh, intelligence agencies or whatever wanting to get control of it and un- trying to understand what's going on. But like yeah. Ethan's uh, debrief to Luther and Benji like cover that already again, right? So we're seeing that again, but like it's still very effective. Um, yeah, that was really good. I think the uh, uh, there were a lot of moving parts too, right? Because like Ethan was on his own mission and then uh, Benji had to go do the bomb yeah. thing. But then you also have the the like CIA agents chasing down Ethan. You've got the rapport with uh, Grace and Ethan back and forth, right? You have the mysterious Gabriel in the shadows doing something, right? There's a lot of moving parts and they like execute it so masterfully. Yeah, there's so. a lot of great suspense building where you know, certain characters know certain information that other characters don't know. And we, mm-hmm. as the audience know character or information that the other characters don't know. Mm-hmm. And this whole like web of who knows what, and like all of that just builds up and it rolls and it rolls and it rolls and they keep crossing over and people will find mm-hmm. out something. And it, yeah. it's just a great buildup and it snowballs. Mm-hmm. And then, it's sort of like almost just like puffs out into nothing at the end in like a little bit. Yeah. In like the perfect way, like everybody just sort of like gets away and the whole mission is sort of just like moot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it, oh it, shit. Okay. And then it just, it keeps the tension built for when you go to the next scene, there is no release at the end of the scene. It maintains that kind of, pressure that they've put on you as a viewer and it propels you into the next scene for sure yeah love that scene that was my favorite part of the whole film for sure um and uh yeah then we kind of go into like that that middle act section with the underwhelming car chase and rome and everything (sighs) right and all of the uh like stuff with um what's her name again ilsa ilsa comes back to help and everything she just shows up. Yeah, she doesn't do anything. And like, okay, so you know what? I actually think I am going to change my wording. The whole first act sucks, like right up until the airport, because like there's the desert shit in the first act as well, too, right? Completely unnecessary. Um, mm-hmm. We get a, a random death fake out only t- for them to kill her later on as well. Like, so why? <laughs> A random so death fake out where anyone with a clue is like, oh, she's not dead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you didn't see her get shot. She didn't get shot. She shot somebody, and then the next scene she was laying down on the ground, so you're like, oh, she's faking it. Yeah. And then you know it as a viewer. And then yeah. they play it off for like 45 minutes. Yeah, it's a very sloppy first act. It's just so so weird because there's, there's great stuff in this movie. So yeah. weird. Um... Well, I'm running out of things to uh, talk about for uh, highlights. I'll mention a quick one. Uh, Lauren Balfe returns to do the score uh, for this one. He was the composer on Fallout, and I loved his score on Fallout, and he does an excellent job this time around as well. I yeah, loved the great. like twist for the um, the theme this time around with the drumming line. Like I thought that was like going to be gimmicky when they showed it in our, in our like uh, press screening thing with the red carpet, but it was actually like really good. And it like was very like punchy and like really uh, exhilarating. 
I loved it. I agree. Um, yeah. Do you have anything else, Matt, you wanted to touch on really quick that you can think of? I think we've, uh, across the both of us, covered pretty much everything that I want to say. Uh, I have one more thing I want to say. Kind All of right. two things. Uh, with the airport uh, scene, one thing I wanted to mention, I loved the callback to Ethan's uh, magic uh, skill, where he like oh, yeah. uh, does the, the trick uh, with, uh, with Grace. That was a really nice callback. And then, like, kind of a semi uh, callback, Kittredge, who's from the first film, he was the secretary of the IMF in the first film. He ends up on a train in the third act of a Mission Impossible film again, making a deal with an arms dealer. <laughs> like, that's that's just wild. So nice funny. Full circle moment. Exactly. Yep. Um, ooh, actually. I keep thinking of things to, to toss on the pile. Um, I also really liked for the highlights. I liked his voiceover um, mission debriefing at the end where it was like a playful re rewording yeah. of the, the standard uh, jargon, right? It was more like more end of the world stakes. So like a little tropey, but still, still effective. I think overall. I agree. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, I think we're, where we're going to leave it. I think they knocked it out of the park, uh, for the most part, still very entertaining, very fun. Um, definitely not, not reaching the lows of this franchise that it has reached in the past with like MI2 and whatnot, but, uh, yeah, a little bit sloppy, uh, still fun. So, uh, Matt. I guess we're at the plug section. Where can the people find you? The people can find me on Letterboxd. Um, at Wisdom Nugget. If you look for that, I'll be there. Perfect. And um, you can find my Instagram through there if you want Ooh. to. Did you get the fun uh, Mission Impossible Easter egg when you reviewed the film? I did. That was cool, hey? I was like, all right, that's okay. Yeah, it's a fun gimmick. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of gimmicky. I like yeah. it. Yeah, it's surprising. Yeah, I thought I, for at the beginning I was like, oh, was my review too critical? And now they don't <laughs> want to post it. Like, has Tom paid off Letterbox to say like anybody that gives us less than four stars delete their review? Yeah, but no, it's it's fine. Ethan was on my side, so it's okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and then do you have any other recommendations of things you're watching, playing, reading, listening to? Mm, I say Rocket League. Rocket League. Nice. <laughs> Topical. <laughs> Why not? I don't know. I just downloaded it. I've been playing it a little bit. It's kind of fun, but also pisses me the fuck off. Most of the time. <laughs> As that game should. As it does. Perfect uh, but quality. I've been getting a little bit better. I've been yes. getting a little bit better. Practice makes um, perfect, my friend. Yeah, still losing more games than winning, but <laughs> we'll get there. I played like a, a five-minute long overtime game with a bot on my team 
the oh my night. god and, oh god i was so annoyed when we lost that one because <laughs> like i was i was saving shots left and right and playing defense <laughs> to try and keep us alive and the fucking yeah. bot ended up feeding it directly to them in front of our net and then <laughs> oh god that hurts god that hurts me. if it Tex. makes you feel any better i uh i had a pretty terrible losing streak bef- the night before we had our uh last gaming sesh um my steam name is also no score so uh i was on a pretty big lo- losing streak but it was the same like group of people that kept readying up so there was a banter in the chat of the no score curse happening anytime <laughs> i was on their team because i was sucking shit man it was brutal i hate sucking shit yeah don't you hate sucking shit um on that note uh you can find me wherever you're listening to or watching the no score review show i uh recently did a the second episode of franchise in review with jake sterkin boom where we reviewed the whole franchise aside from this film of mission impossible so be sure to go check that out if you haven't already that's a youtube exclusive so go check out the youtube channel for that um, I also had reviews for uh, Asteroid City, and I think The Flash might have been the other most recent thing. Uh, so go check those out, and uh, stay tuned for more reviews. We're going to have Barbenheimer next week, so that's very exciting. I'm looking forward to Hell doing that. Yeah. And uh, other great summer movies uh, coming down the line as well. Ninja Turtles. Uh, yeah. Other things, Blue Beetles coming. I'm not anticipating that to be a hit, hit, but uh, we'll see. Uh, that's the only thing that comes to mind right now. A couple other horror movies as well that I want to go see this this summer. Talk to me and Last Voyage of the Demeter. Demeter. That look, those look fun. Uh, but yeah, so uh, keep it uh, locked to uh, YouTube and podcast services wherever you find the No Score Review Show. Uh, otherwise, you can follow me on all the socials and Letterboxd at NoScore or at NoScore Reviews. I'll give a quick shout out to my gaming channel, as always, NoScore Plays. If you like indie game Let's Play content, go check that out. And until then, we'll see you all in the next room. Bye-bye. <laughs>